You're listening up your game, a podcast all about sports. I'm Travis Harrison, joined once again by my best friend, Ben Weir. Good to see you, man. Hey, good to see you too, man. We've got a great episode lined up for you guys as we recap the NFL Conference Championship games from this last weekend. And we're going to start off with that Chiefs-Ravens game, which averaged over 55 million viewers, which just so happens to be the most watched AFC Championship game ever. So last week, they were setting records with the divisional game. Now it's the AFC Championship. Wouldn't surprise me at all if the Super Bowl sets records this next week. But anyways, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the rest of the gang are headed back to the Super Bowl after the Chiefs shut down the Ravens, beating them 17-10. to The first quarter was vintage Mahomes picking apart the Ravens' defense with quick passes. Travis Kelsey on the other end of several of those. Kelsey went up and got one early on their first drive. It was a fourth down play that they decided to go for it. Picked that one up, which was huge. Then there was the back shoulder throw and catch from Mahomes to Kelsey. That was perfect for the touchdown. Travis turning at the last possible second, exactly what you got to do, especially having a great defender like Hamilton on him. So that play was great. Put the Chiefs up early. And then on a third down in the second half, Travis actually ran the wrong route, which he has admitted to. Mm -hmm but he made up for it by diving to make a grab. And Coach Reed said after the game, he's seen Kelsey do a lot of things, but never seen him do that before. Mahomes got smoked on the play just as he made the pass, but wasn't hurt and got right back up. Kelsey also later said after running the wrong route, he owed it to Mahomes as he saw him about to get hit. Said, I got to make it up for him. And he did just that on that play. Kelsey, who's had some great games over the years, may have had one of his best ones in this game. 11 receptions for 116 yards and one touchdown. During this game, Travis passed the great Jerry Rice for most receptions in the playoffs in NFL history. So a lot of people have put him up there as one of the greatest tight ends of all time, if not the greatest. And now he's in a whole other realm with wide receivers as well. So now he's starting to break some Jerry Rice records, which this one, you know, Jerry played for 20 years. Most people didn't see anybody breaking this one, and here Kelsey's done it in just over a decade. It's pretty remarkable. Well, maybe Justin Tucker's antics before the game had something to do with Mahomes and Kelsey being locked in and having just a little extra motivation. Having your kicker, of all people, try and tick off the Hall of Fame quarterback and tight end before the game probably isn't the smartest idea. Apparently, Justin Tucker is not familiar with the lyrics from my famous Jim Croce's song, which says, you don't tug on Superman's cape, you don't spit into the wind. You don't pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger, and you don't mess around with Patrick Mahomes. Now, obviously, I improvised that last part, but the rest of that song is accurate. But, Ben, your thoughts there just on kind of that whole weird situation pregame and Mahomes and Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you don't poke the bear. I mean, I, I, from what I'm understanding is that Justin Tucker, it was kind of like him just being silly, but I think the Chiefs took it pretty offensively. And I can understand why they were taking it defensively. So I get that. Um, it's all about getting in the head and everything like that. But like, yeah, just just don't poke the bear, man. When you got Travis Kelsey, and then, in my opinion, who's going to be by the end of his career the goat of you know all goats basically for for football and Mahomes. But yeah, I feel like that probably did feed into this. Um, I also felt like uh, a lot fed into before the games. Like I, I feel like a lot of people were on the Ravens bandwagon with them having a dominant team and everything like that. So I feel like that was another thing that fed into Mahomes and Kelsey. But hats off to, K- to Kelsey, man. I mean, this is they needed him to show up for sure in this game, and he played. I mean, he played his butt off. Uh, he, he really didn't have a great season this year, but playoffs wise, he's been 
he's been fantastic and they've needed that from him. So uh, it was, it was a great individual effort from him. And then Mahomes played well as well. So like, yeah, but I, I definitely think uh, Tucker should have probably rethought what that, what he was doing there. Yeah, I think resting that Week 18 game, Kelsey could have played. He could have set a record, decided to rest. Yeah. It was more important, said, I'm going to get ready for the playoffs. And I think that week off yeah. really helped him. Because, you know, then you've got two weeks in between Week 17 and the wild card weekend. And, I mean, he's looked as healthy and as fresh as he has all season. And then going back to the whole Justin yeah. Tucker thing real quick. Yeah, he definitely knew what he was doing because he was kind of, you know, mean mugging a little bit and kind of winking, smiling. So he definitely knew what he was doing. But right. at the same time, as much as he was joking around, again, those guys were locked in. They weren't in a joking mood, but they were pretty kind. Yeah. I mean, they just kind of tossed the gear to the side. I mean, they could have chucked it up in the stands if they were really mad. I mean, they were just trying to get out of the way. Because my right. thing is, and I'm sure Kelsey's thinking it, the helmet, the pads, and all that are laying right there on the ground where Mahomes is dropping back. Can you imagine if he would have dropped back and rolled his ankle on the helmet oh. or on a ball? Oh, my goodness. That would have been terrible. So you yeah. talk about a whole, a whole bigger issue there. Yeah. So I think, you know, those guys are just like, listen, the antics are cute and all, but you know, we're here to play football and that's exactly what they did. Well, moving on to some other offense here for the chiefs, you know, everyone destroyed MVS for his drop in that Eagles game earlier in the year that would have won it for him. But the last two weeks, he's come up with the three biggest catches for the chiefs, including the game ceiling catch that won this game. You love to see that redemption story. My favorite part of this was Mahomes made the call. The coaches wanted to just kind of run out the clock, you know, try to waste more time. And Pat said, no, I want the ball in my hands. I'm going to make a play. Mahomes and the offense couldn't do anything for the entire second half and then made one huge play to finish it off. Ben and I have been pretty hard on the Chiefs and rightfully so this season as their wide receiving core has just been awful. They actually were one of the top teams leading the league in drops for the year, which is not a category you want to be leading but they didn't have a single drop in this game, which is the first game all season without a dropped pass. And I wanted to play the call that sealed the win for the Chiefs. Here's their announcer. I thought that was pretty sweet. And I, I said that quote last week on our episode, but I was like, that guy does it way more justice there, just getting fired up. And obviously wanted to give MVS's yeah. flowers there too for coming away with just an incredible catch there. So Ben, your thoughts just on that last play and just the receivers as a whole, I mean, not dropping a single pass this whole game after essentially leading the league all year in drops. No, I mean, this is it's remarkable that they're there because I, I would not have seen this Chiefs team I, I just did not see this team in a Super Bowl. I really did not. I, I thought for sure this was the year that the Chiefs were going to get dethroned in the AFC Championship. Um, and me, I didn't even honestly think, I didn't even know they were going to be there, really. I mean, I, I really, halfway through the year, wasn't even thinking they were going to be there. But, yeah, no, it was great for MVS, man. I mean, just a great story for him to be able to catch that huge pass to 
to get them there. And I fully agree with going for, you know, I, I understand trying to run the clock out, but like, again, they would just been at the two minute warning and the probably Ravens probably would have had the ball like within their, you know, one to 10 yard line somewhere around there with a punt. But like, still, I mean, that's two minutes to go where you could, anything can happen at that point. So like, I fully agree with Mahomes wanting to get the ball in his hand and, and it was a great play call again. Uh, Andy Reid's one of the best offensive minds there is in football. Uh, but no, this is, this is just crazy and baffling to me, man. Like I just never would have seen this coming to like another notch on Mahomes' belt there of, of getting this, like bringing these, you know, these bums I'm not really, I know they're not bums, but like bring these guys have been letting them down all year long. I mean, it's, it's remarkable, man, but no, I, it's just, it's just a great story for MBS. Um, I wish Tony could get the same thing, but I know he's kind of been their Achilles heel in a lot of their games. So like, I understand the injury and stuff like that, but no, this was, this was big. Well, yeah, and it just goes back to your quarterback and even other players on the team, especially the quarterback, the leader of the team, never throwing anybody under the bus the mm-hmm. entire season. I mean, even when MVS dropped that pass in the Eagles game, Holmes, Mahomes was like, you know, I probably could have thrown that a little bit better. No, you couldn't. You put it right there exactly where it was supposed mm-hmm. to be, but that's what he said, and that's what <laughs> leaders do. And yeah. what else leaders do is they continue going back to those guys. They show their trust. Their confidence doesn't waver. It's like, yeah, there might be some frustration a little bit, but they keep it on the inside, and they just continue going to those guys, and you see it here. It paid off in a big way. Well, this was one of the Mm -hmm. finest moments in an already stellar career for defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola. With a 10-point halftime lead, the Chiefs offense punted on five straight possessions, and still the Ravens never ran a play with a chance to tie the score. The Chiefs held Baltimore the league's number one rushing offense to 81 yards on the ground. It's the first time the Ravens haven't topped 100 yards rushing in a game since week one of 2022. It's a span of 36 games. Over the last eight games, the Chiefs have given up an average of four points in the second half. 32 total points in the last eight games. In this game, they only gave up three. Over the last 12 games, the Ravens have averaged 33 points a game and the Chiefs only gave up 10 in this one. I don't think we can give enough props to the defense. Chiefs won this game because they were dominant all afternoon, forcing three turnovers, two of which were in the end zone. The interception was big, but nothing was bigger than the forced fumble by Legereus Sneed at the goal line. He had just gotten a taunting penalty and then fumbles the ball away with a chance to score and pull within three. Obviously, he was diving for the goal line, trying to get it across. Sneed made a great play on the ball, poked it out just at the last possible second. But I feel feel like it was some poetic justice if you're a Chiefs fan, especially after you know him standing over Sneed and taunting him. But this play that Sneed made is one of the biggest and most clutch plays in Chiefs history. Not sure how this game plays out if Zay does get in the end zone, but I think Sneed has solidified himself as a Chiefs legend forever. Ben, your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Um, as much as I praise Mahomes, uh, offense didn't win this game for them. I mean, the defense defense won this game. I mean, let's not forget the Chiefs didn't score a single point in the second half. So, like, I mean, to still win the game seventeen to ten and only scoring seventeen in the first half and winning the game, it's it's remarkable and it's it's all in the defense for sure. And and Spag definitely deserves the credit for that. Um, but yeah, no, Snead making that huge play, dude. I, I thought. Uh, that momentum I thought was going to be switched right then and there. It would have been 17-14 with that touchdown. It looked like he was going to get in. And honestly, real time, I thought he got in. Like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, he got he crossed that line. But, like, I mean, the replay easily showed he didn't get over there. 
Uh, and then that other turnover that I don't even know what Lamar was thinking, throwing triple covers there. I, I do think potentially pass interference wasn't called. That should have been called. But like, but still, regardless of that, um, Chiefs defense played great. I thought they made Lamar look very uncomfortable the entire game. I mean, he got sacked four times. Um, I'll get to more on this on the Ravens, but like, I, I felt like they didn't really go with what their game plan had been all year with the run game. So I'll talk about that more when we talk about the Ravens there. But like, but yeah, I just I felt like a dominant performance. And and again, like you said last week, this has been Patrick Mahomes' best defensive team. I mean, if he could have had a couple other receivers from what he had before with Tyree Kill, my gosh, they'd be blowing teams out by like probably thirty points a game with with Hill in there too. So I just. It's amazing what they've got as far as the defense, and uh, we'll see what happens when they continue on with the Super Bowl. Well, the Ravens' defense played very well overall, limiting the Chiefs, but their offense just couldn't get going, minus their one and only touchdown, which came on the first drive of the game. They did the swag surf and dance as a celebration, which truthfully was probably the beginning of the end because that's something Chiefs fans and specifically the wives, girlfriends, moms of the players all do and get excited about. So, it was kind of making fun of them, so probably not a move you want to do if you're yeah. the other team making fun of the other team's parents, wives, girlfriends, all that. Probably not going to end well for you guys, and sure enough, it didn't. Right. Well, Lamar came back down to earth going 20 of 37 yeah. in this game for 272 yards, did have a touchdown, but he also had that interception in the end zone, which was costly. The interception was huge, again, because it was in the end zone and absolutely killed momentum. He also got strip sacked during the game. That was another big momentum changer. There were times where he should have run the ball, but yeah. didn't. I think you're going to touch on that, Ben. But there were, he had holes at different times, and he just he just looked timid. He hesitated. He did make a sweet pass to himself. Threw the ball, got tipped up in the air. Would have gotten intercepted. Those get intercepted yeah. nine out of ten times. Chiefs guy was right there ready to make the pick. Lamar comes swooping in, grabs it, then runs for a 13-yard first down. That was... The, Probably the coolest play of the game. You definitely don't see that pretty much ever. But unfortunately for Lamar, the last four years, his playoff low in points has always been lower than any game during the regular season. Definitely the wrong time for that to happen. And then in the regular season, Lamar has played 77 games. He's only trailed in two of those. Hasn't had the lead in two of those games. But in the postseason, he's played six games, and he's played four of those without the lead. So... Obviously not a great percentage there. And Ben, what do the Ravens and Chick-fil-A have in common? Neither show up on Sunday. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I know that's not totally fair. because oh, no. <laughs> they, they, they showed up for the most part during the season. Just obviously this last Sunday they forgot, you know, a little right. bit. At least, at least the offense <laughs> forgot there was a game. The defense was there in full force. But your, your thoughts True. on the Ravens defense yeah. and obviously the yeah. offense as well and just their struggles in this game. Yeah, I mean, my brother and I talked about it most of the year with them. I, I mean, I definitely think the Ravens' defense has carried them a long way, but I, I, you got to give Lamar his due from how well he's been playing. He's completed over 60% of his passes there at second half of the year. He's been playing great. I just, again, I to me, they they abandoned what, what got him there. I mean, I'm looking at stats from the last game. Lamar threw 37 passes, and you would think that Lamar throwing 37 passes, they're down probably by – I don't know, 20 something points or something like that. It was only 17 to seven at halftime. So like, I feel like the game, the game plan could stay the same. Like you could run the ball and it's, it's fine. And you were stopping the chiefs. So like, why, why abandon what got you there? And just looking at stat wise, I mean, last, last week against the Texans, they ran the ball 42 times. I mean, here they only ran the ball 16 times. <laughs> 
So it's like, I just felt like, and I would agree with a lot of Ravens fans that I've been talking about. I feel like they just abandoned their, with their normal game plan and went away from it. And I mean, it was, it was very costly. And again, Lamar was getting pressured like crazy when he kept dropping back. He got attacked four times. And yeah, I, I definitely agree. Lamar, which is really surprising, could have ran a few of those times. And I, he typically is a, a more of a run first quarterback, but like, I just felt like they didn't they didn't help the guy at all. I mean, Gus Edwards only had three carries. Hill only had three carries compared to 10 and 13 last week. So, to me, I felt like they, they shot themselves in the foot. Um, I mean, that Zay Flowers, man, that, that was costly for sure, that fumble. Uh, if he would have just held on to it just, and just let him, you know, done a, done a play at the one-yard line or something like that, that would have been a lot better. And then that penalty he had to. So I don't know. I mean, I, I felt like they they just shot themselves in the foot way more than what they had to. I I don't really know why they abandoned it. I mean, they again, they weren't getting killed. They were stopping the Chiefs. Chiefs didn't score a point, like we've already said in the second half. So it's just baffling to me why they why they, I don't know just hindered themselves. Well, that takes us to the NFC Conference Championship game where Brock Purdy and the Forty ers rallied from seventeen points down. Yes, you heard that right to beat the Lions 34-31 to advance to the Super Bowl. Some people out there thought the 49ers are going to blow out the Lions. Ben and I knew better. We knew this was going to be a tight game. Obviously didn't see the Lions going up big in the first half. We were both pretty shocked about that. Just the Lions blowing the doors off San Francisco in that first half as they led 24-7 at the break. A big part of that was the Lions rushing for over 150 yards in the first half, just gashing the 49ers defense time and time again. Jared Goff had a solid game, going 25 of 41 for 273 and a touchdown. Again, protecting the ball, not throwing a pick. Brock Purdy was 20 of 31, 267 and a touchdown, but he did have an interception. Montgomery had 15 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown for the Lions, while McCaffrey had 20 carries for 90 yards and two touchdowns for San Fran. Laporta led the way in receptions with nine for 97 yards for the Lions, and Samuel had eight receptions for 89 yards for the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was going to be a very good game. I know we both thought it was going to be a very good game, so like, I'm glad we got that, but I definitely did not see the Lions up 24-7 at halftime. I, I know I texted my brother, and I basically said this game was over. I mean, <laughs> Niners weren't doing anything. Lions were literally scoring on almost every possession, and they couldn't stop them, couldn't stop the run to save their lives, and I was just like, I don't know why people were thinking that this team with the Niners were going to kill this team. I, I, I mean, after watching last week and they should have lost to the Packers, I, I just didn't understand why we're all of a sudden like, oh, okay, well, we can, we can give them a pass for last week. But like, no, nah, man, they're not, they're not going to blow this Lions out. Like, I don't, I just don't understand. But man, that fight, uh, I don't know what Shanahan said at halftime, but whatever he said, got them fired up, got the defense fired up. The Lions only scored seven in the second half. Really, at kind of at the end, meaningless touchdown. Um, I know we're going to touch about a, a couple more things later in the game, but I won't. I won't talk about that yet. But like, I just, I was great for the 49ers, man. I mean, that fight to even come back, like they were down twenty four seven, and to continue to be like, guys, we still got this. Like, I, again, don't know what he said, but man, <laughs> lit a fire into their butts, and they came out on fire. So like, it, it good for Purdy, man. I'm happy for Purdy. I know he didn't necessarily play super great, but like. Happy for him to be in the Super Bowl from his story. Uh, good for McCaffrey. He's been suffering with the Panthers for years. So it was good to see them at least get there. But, man, what a, what a choke job by the Lions. It's just so sad. Well, the turning point, I believe, in this game came when the Lions failed to convert on fourth and two. They were in San Francisco territory. I know a lot of people are blaming Dan Campbell. But, truthfully, this has been his M.O. 
all season, going for fourth down, fourth and goal. It's been his MO since he's been at the Lions these three years. Like, you just know. It's a fourth down play. It's fourth and short. There's a really good chance Campbell's going to go for it. Well, even though people are blaming Campbell, he wasn't the one out there dropping passes. He wasn't the one dropping the pass in this situation. Because essentially he made the right call, and it should have been a first down for the Lions. Then maybe they at least get a field goal there. Who knows? Maybe they drive all the way, finish it off with a touchdown. Then there's those who are saying he should have kicked the field goal. But many, I don't think, realize that their kicker, Bagley, has actually made less than 40% of his kicks from over 40 yards. So, Ben, you've got that percentage with also the percentage of going for it on fourth down. So I know you were one that was kind of thinking, like, you got to take the points there. And I was sitting there saying the same thing because I understand during the season when you go for it on fourth down, you don't have nearly as much to lose. But in the playoffs, points are so much harder to come by. I just feel like anytime you have a chance, you got to take the points. Yeah, and, and I hear all that. And, like, I understand that it's, there's an uncertainty with Badgley, and, and I get that uncertainty. And, and, you know, his longest of the year so far was only 41, was only 41 yards. So, like, like, I get that. But, again, you know, I mean, he was at least perfect for his kicks this year. Like, he didn't miss one besides two extra points that he missed during the year. Um, but, yeah, man, I, you're, you've got all the momentum in the world. You're up by 14 points. You potentially kick that field goal make it a three-score game. You still got the 49ers reeling after they only just kicked the field goal. So you just basically traded a field goal. Um, I, I really do agree with you. I, I think that was right then and there, momentum switch. I mean, I feel like the Niners that just got their fire uh, lit and everything like that, and they're like, all right, guys, but we know we, we got them where we want them. And then they went down and scored a touchdown and, and basically made it a one-score game. Um, I do, I do hear the side though, that like, yeah, this is Campbell. This is what he does. And I, and I get that, but I just, I just feel like when you're up by 14, there's no need to really gamble against yourself. I, I really just don't see the need for it. I, I, I think it's better to be going up potentially by three scores. Yeah. There's no guarantee that Badgley makes the field goal, but I, I still feel like you got to try and go up three scores. The weather wasn't bad there in San Fran. So like, I just feel like you've got a good chance to potentially make the field goal. Uh, I, but I do understand the other side of it too. We're like, well, Hey, wait a second. Josh Reynolds dropped the pass. I mean, it should have been an easy first down and they could have easily gone down and score. And I, and I get that. But then to me, I just say, well, if, if you had just gone to kick the field goal, that never would have happened. Like if you had made the choice in the, to begin with, it never would have even been there before. But I, yeah, I don't think everyone can fault Campbell entirely because yes, it was a good play call and it should have been completed and gotten the first down. But still, in that scenario, even without knowing that Reynolds was going to drop the ball, I feel like you got to kick the points and try to kick a field goal and get the points, is my opinion. Well, as soon as that happened, I turned to my brother-in-law and said, shoot, that's a big yeah. momentum swing. <laughs> and sure enough, five yeah. plays, 72 yards later, 49ers found the end zone, and it was a one-score game. Well, then the following drive was very short-lived by the Lions as Gibbs fumbled on the first play and gave the ball right back to San Francisco. Four plays later, and another touchdown on the board for the Niners, and this thing was all tied at 24. At this point, the Lions just needed to regroup, take a deep breath, and relax. They had given up the lead, but at this point, you could look at it as 0-0. Unfortunately, Reynolds, the man who dropped the crucial fourth down pass we just talked about, decided to drop another on third down that was also easily catchable. So instead of moving the chains... The Lions went three and out and punted the ball back to the 49ers, who definitely had all the momentum at this point. 49ers decided to 
have a methodical drive as they went 11 plays and ate up over seven minutes before settling for a field goal to take their first lead of this game. Another important coaching decision as the Lions elected to again go for it on fourth down while at the San Francisco 30-yard line. That is not a far field goal, but again, they clearly didn't have trust in their kicker. This one I certainly would have attempted to kick. They didn't, and it was another turnover on down for the Lions. Now, Ben, you go back to the first half. At the end of the first half, it was fourth and goal from the three. To me, of any time to go for it, do it then. But here, yeah. getting more towards the end of the game, now you know you're you're down. Now you were up big. Now you're down. Like try to tie this thing back up. But again, going forward mm-hmm. on fourth down, and it cost them. No, I'm with you, man. And I, and I think we texted about that at the same time. Like I just. I know this is what he does. So like, I like, I get it, but it really is a gamble. I mean, yeah, I feel like he succeeded really highly in the regular season, but I mean, this is the playoffs now. So like, who knows how many drives you got left? And then uh, again, another momentum shift. I mean, I'm, well, momentum was already with the Niners to begin with, but like you at least make a decent drive to potentially get yourself into field goal range to tie the game. And then, yeah, you're, you're going for it again. And I, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's just like the analytics kind of thing is getting in his head or like if he just really wants to go down and score a touchdown. I, I don't know, man. But, I, but yeah, again, I mean, we don't necessarily know if Badgley would make the field goal and it could potentially still have the same outcome. But like, I feel like you got to give the guy a chance to tie the game up and then give the Niners a harder time to come, you know, drive the ball down. Cause I mean, they started that drive on their 30-yard line compared to at least, you know, maybe five yards back or maybe at the 20. Who knows? If they return the kick, they might get less yardage. I don't know. But, like, uh, yeah, I just – to me, just a couple mind-blowing decisions. Like, I don't I don't understand it, man. I, I just know that's what he does. But, like, yeah, I just, I just don't understand it. Well, then the 49ers marched down in seven plays and built their lead up to 10, now leading 34-24. Lions had to score, and they had to do it quickly. They managed to move the ball down the field with relative ease, making a lot of us wonder, where had this been the whole second half? Well, they finally punched it in on fourth and goal for the first points of the second half, cutting the lead to 34-31. But another thing that left me scratching my head was the play call to run it on third down. Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator, supposedly made the play call, but they, of course, get stuffed, and now you must waste a timeout in order to stop the clock. A timeout they desperately would end up needing when San Francisco got the ball back. I think that Ben Johnson needs to change his name because he has just destroyed the name of Ben for every Ben's out there. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not, that's not true. But potentially it could have maybe cost him some head coaching jobs from them watching that play and wondering, like, what the heck are you doing? Um, but, man, I just, yeah, I, I did not understand that. I know we'd go back to the, what I'm thinking right now is like the Pete Carroll pass for Russell Wilson that got picked off in the Super Bowl and everything like that. But that I feel like that was a little bit different than this scenario because, again, you needed those three timeouts. Like that was totally near right the very, very end of the game, like barely any time on the clock in that Super Bowl. But like you needed these three timeouts. So why don't you make some kind of call? And he had been great all year as far as, far as like making these different plays and stuff like that. So I feel like he could have come up with something. Um, gotten an offensive lineman involved or something like that. They've done that in the past. Uh, I know that Cowboys game where they got screwed, they did that. So, like, they've got the plays to do it. So, to me, I just did not understand why you try to run the ball when you need to. You need the timeout. So, I just 
didn't make any sense, and then they passed it for the touchdown and on fourth and goal. So I, I don't know. I, to me, that didn't make any sense. They needed the timeout, so I was I was very confused. Well, then the Lions are forced to kick an onside kick, so they attempt the onside kick, which bounces off one of their players' hands. Basically, just a story of the entire second half. But as it turns out, <laughs> as it turns out, they were penalized for illegal touching, as it was before the ten yard mark. So wouldn't have even mattered if he recovered it. And honestly. Probably would have been more salt in the wound for Lions fans if they would have gotten the ball, gotten the penalty, because then that would have negated the recovery. So that just would have been harder to swallow. Well, then Purdy took a knee, and that was all she wrote. 49ers had completed one of the biggest comebacks in conference championship game history, winning 34-31. Now, some people out there have been saying Brock Purdy is just a game manager, but he's not. He has always been special and changed every program for the better that he's been a part of, whether that was high school, college, or now in the NFL. He isn't sneaky athletic. He is athletic and has proven he can change the game. Last year, he tore his UCL in the NFC Championship game, came back and put up MVP-type numbers in the regular season. He's 21-5 as a starter and has led his team to the Super Bowl. Say what you want about him, but there's no denying that he's a pretty darn good football player. All right, corny dad joke. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. And, and I hear the criticism. I mean, I feel like if you put another quarterback with this team, I think they could succeed too. Cause I mean, the Niners got a good team as far as the offense, but, but you, whatever you want to say about Purdy himself, I mean, he made a couple of runs in this game that were huge. And I mean, you, like you said, the athleticism is there. Uh, you probably don't think that he's a good mobile quarterback, but he, I mean, very surprised on those both both of those runs. I mean, they were huge runs to get them where they needed to be as far as those drives and saving the drives. But yeah, I just I, I think it's just an incredible story for him to be there. I mean, talk about the last guy that's really not even necessarily a pick in the draft, but he is Mr. Irrelevant, and him being here next in the Super Bowl. So I just I think it's an incredible story. I wish them well, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's awesome to see, man. Well, I feel like we were a little hard on the Lions and Dan Campbell, so I want to finish by giving some major props to Dan Campbell yeah. and the Lions on a truly incredible season. First off, they won their division for the first time in 32 years. It was their first playoff win since 91. Broke a streak of nine consecutive playoff losses. Hosted their first playoff game since 93. Hosted multiple playoff games for the first time in franchise history. Won multiple playoff games for the first time since 1957. Won 14 games in 2023, including the playoffs, which is most in a season in franchise history. Coach Campbell was just voted the Coach of the Year, and GM Brad Holmes was named Executive of the Year. Now, the year didn't end the way the team or fans wanted, but the future is bright in Detroit, and now everyone hears the roar. Well, that's going to do it for this NFL Conference Championship Games recap here on Up Your Game, a podcast all about sports. Travis and Ben signing off.